You're listening live to Right Side Radio with Phil Williams. It's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side. Right Side Radio. Solid, conservative, and just plain right. News Talk 770 AM 92.5 FM WVNN. Phil Williams here hosting Right Side Radio. And like the man just said, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Well, in case you were living under a rock and did not know what happened Uh, over the uh, past several days. Uh, So apparently, President Trump was in town. But no, I think it's it's pretty cool that uh, the the former president of the United States was actually here. And only fitting that he came to Coleman, Alabama, because Coleman, Alabama is square in the midst of the uh, 4th Congressional District of Alabama, which had the highest per capita Trump vote of any uh, congressional district in the entire United States, both times, 2016 to 2020. Well, my brethren, Jeff Poor from 106.5 down on the coast uh, is here on the air with us. And Jeff was there live boots on the ground. Hey, Jeff, uh, good to have you, man. Hey, Phil. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, so listen, you were there. I will tell you this. Charlene and I had uh, great tickets. We had seated tickets towards the front, but uh, realized very quickly that there had been a, uh, an error. Somehow President Trump didn't recognize that was also my grandson's two-year-old birthday party and that we had multiple family in town staying with us, so we had to forfeit our tickets. But um, So tell me how the event was, man. Just, just give us the boots-on-the-ground perspective. Well, I, I think, uh, you know, Trump still has the magic in Alabama, obviously. You don't draw an excess of, I think, 30,000, about 30,000 people and not have some sway in the state. That's number one. But, uh, two, two, I tell you what was really telling is just it was um, – I believe Michael Yaffe described it as the the, the uh, WrestleMania of Alabama politics. Everybody, it was just about anybody in Alabama politics was there. A couple of notable exceptions: uh, Kay Ivey, the governor, and, and Richard Shelby, the one of our U.S. senators. But any, and Phil Williams, else, the host of Right Side Radio, yes, in attendance. So uh, if they if they see something in Donald Trump, or at least they see something in him that uh, that maybe their constituents would like, and that's what they want to pattern themselves after. Well, and I, I take special note of the fact that you say that anybody and everybody, but you didn't include me in that. So I'm just going to go ahead and let that slide. But, uh, but uh, hey. you know, once you get back in elected office, we'll uh, throw you in the <laughs> no, right? Don't, don't be wishing stuff like that on me. But, hey, listen, um, so you were there. Uh, I mean, was, it, uh, was the mood consistent throughout? Was there a sense of expectancy from the crowd? Or were they just, like, wishing everybody else to stop talking and get Trump out there? What was, how was, what was the mood overall? Yeah, I think the latter. Uh, I tell you what's interesting, I know what's been made out of it, was uh, Bo Brooks getting booed a little bit, and he did. But but I tell you, uh, it had been kind of a long day up until that point that the, the event was a little late getting going, and the weather was pretty horrendous. Uh, they they'd shut it down a couple of times because of lightning, but most everybody who had been, was there Stood in the rain at some point in time, so you might know how that goes. And I just think it got a little long there, right in the prelude. And uh, that's where you saw, you know, people get a little antsy. So uh, they wanted to see Trump. I, I, you know, it's, it's an interesting thing. Any of these rallies, I've probably been to about 40 Trump rallies. And I, I just get the sense that people go to them for a mix of reasons. A lot of it is just that they, they, they want to, I, I guess, blow off a little steam about what's going on in the world. But uh, it's part of history. But then there's just, just kind of a, a curiosity as well. Let's see what this is all about. So it, it, it's always um, 
everyone's a little different in some ways. So even though even though we have uh, obviously in terms of our U.S. Senate race, the one for Shelby's seat right now that's uh, between um, uh, uh, Mo Brooks, well, it's between several, but the two top tier are Mo Brooks and Katie Britt. So Trump has uh, actually slighted Katie Britt uh, pretty forcefully, uh, calling her the handpicked successor for Richard Shelby, and you know, and 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 just basically like fake news kind of stuff. Uh, I mean, calling her fake news. I mean, but then we we have that uh, Mo Brooks has been endorsed. But yet both were there, although Mo was the only one who spoke. Um, but I, I got to give her props for showing up in a place where she was not endorsed and even kind of called out. Uh, did you see Katie Britt while you were there? I did, uh, and I, I, tell, I tell you a little a little anecdote here. She she wanted to uh, get her picture made with Donald Trump. <laughs> she really? was waiting in line. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, after all of that, after all that drama. I don't know what to make of that. Uh, I, I, she was wanting it for campaign purposes, or you know, you just—it's a historical figure that you can say that you met. But I don't know if, if, if Donald Trump come after you or your wife, would you be within a hundred miles of that place on Saturday night? I'm not sure that I would. Of course, she had her husband Wesley Britt with her, who could clear, you know, uh, clear the field if he had to. Um, but uh, right, nonetheless, well, that's that—that that is interesting. But then I, I'm assuming too that uh, uh, Linda Blanchard. And uh, Jessica Taylor were also there, but um, and then all the other candidates, you know, from around. I mean, I even saw that Andrew Sorrell, who's running for state auditor, spoke, and I think this is pretty close to his district, but not quite. Um, but he's also good friends with John Wall, uh, the uh, chairman of the state Republican Party. But so, so all said and done, I guess what I'm hearing from you though is uh, large turnout, and the sense of it though is that President Trump's endorsement still means a lot in Alabama. I think so. I mean, I don't see how uh, how Mo Brooks right now is in danger of losing. Uh, there's a lot of little things I wish he would learn along the way stylistically that would give him a, a stronger chance. But uh, I mean, he took he was just the last guy to go before Trump, and that's always that's always a tough place to be. It's like the uh, response to the State of the Union or something, right? Yes. But uh, yeah, all, all four U.S. Senate candidates on the Republican side were there. And uh, I, I guess I think it's pretty telling. Well, and, and I think this was, and you used the word historic a moment ago. People want to catch the historic aspect of it. Charlene and I talked about that. And, you know, not being able to go was, was bittersweet on the one hand, but then not really when you consider that we were at a family event. And I think, you know, looking back years later on my deathbed, I would not say, I'm so glad I missed my grandson's birthday to go to, you know, a Trump event. But, but nonetheless, we recognize the historic nature of it. We even talked about it that way because – this is like smack in the middle of the Afghanistan debacle of the uh, COVID pandemic still ongoing. And this is one of the biggest events that Trump, maybe the biggest event Trump has hosted post-election. Am I right? I think so. I think the biggest by far post-election. This is my first Trump rally post-election. Uh, well, not post-election, post-presidency, post-election. I went over to Georgia a little bit to see how he was, you know, uh, I'm trying to rally Kelly Loeffler and David Perdue across the finish line. But, uh, yeah, and, and it's interesting venue, too. I mean, how often does something this big happen? This is not music-related, I suppose, happen in Coleman, and this is something for the history books. I mean, they'll be talking about this for for decades, right? That the, 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 During the time Donald Trump came to uh, York Family Farms, yeah, you know, like nothing big happens. It's a once-in-a-lifetime type of thing, I feel like. So I got to ask you, man, what was it like trying to get in and then get out? 
pretty miserable. Uh, they never get these things right ever. Like I said, I've been uh, like little over 40 of these rallies, logistical nightmares. Everyone is different, and the people on the ground tell you five different things and what you've been told and where to park and all of that. But that's another reason I thought that the attendance figures are pretty close because the traffic was real tough getting in and out of. Uh, that, you know, it felt like a football game and people leaving a game and, and trying to figure your way out. I think a 30,000 number is pretty fair, but, uh, you know, as you might imagine, there's not a lot of, a lot of roads in and out of a place like that. You just have interstate 65 right there, get people in and out. But, uh, I, I think, uh, I, I think that probably says what you need to know as far as attendance. Yeah. Yeah, sure enough. Well, listen, man, can you hang on during the break? we got a short break we're going to go to, and I want to talk to you about the, the booze that came related to the uh, vaccines. Are you good with staying on for a minute more? Uh, absolutely. All right. We're going to take a short break here, and, uh, and we're going to be coming back in a minute because literally the only booze that came from the night for the most part, one of which was related to Trump asking for people to get the vaccine, one of which was just approved by the FDA today. Bill Williams, Right Side Radio, solid conservative and just plain right. We'll be right back on News Talk 770 AM, 92.5 FM, WVNN. Seven seventy AM, ninety two point five FM, WVNN. Phil Williams here, hosting Right Side Radio, and we're back with my friend Jeff Poor uh, from the uh, radio show down at one hundred six point five on the coast. And, and and Jeff was just talking with us about uh, his time at the Trump rally this past weekend. So Jeff, I got a question for you. Uh, the the only booze that I understand were out there, uh, one of which was for President Trump himself with regards to the vaccine. Am I correct? Yeah, he uh, he said, people, uh, you, you ought to go out and get vaccinated. And that drew booze. Not a big surprise there. Uh, I, I I guess I'm a little shocked at just how vocal and how strident the anti-vaxxer uh, thing is. Uh, I, I understand not wanting it to be told not to get the vaccination. Uh, but uh, it, it was clear that there's people that are, are very, very skeptical of the government. But I mean, that's where, and now where Trump derives his strength is kind of this, uh, I don't know, distrust or dissatisfaction with what's going on in Washington D.C., and that's what generates a lot of the populism we see in our politics right now. Uh, so this, I guess it shouldn't be that much of a surprise, but very, very outspoken opposition to it, and that includes against Donald Trump. Yeah, that's interesting. And somebody asked me, they said, why would why would Trump be advocating for the vaccine? I said, well, keep in mind, he's the one that pushed Operation Warp Speed and got a vaccine out i mean if you get down to it and i know that biden wants to claim credit for for that process but the truth be told the vaccines were coming out and being approved uh before um biden was even sworn into office so uh i i mean i personally think that that trump you know in spite of the fact that he was in you know red meat territory uh he was uh literally just touting something that he believes his administration worked on uh and and 
still advocates for it. So uh, I don't think it was that controversial, really, but certainly got some controversy. And then, of course, today, brother, just give me your thoughts on this real quick before we go. I'm gonna, uh, so FDA granted Pfizer its uh, COVID-19 vaccine full approval. Um, and, of course, they're going to change the name of it and give us something else to call it now. But the, the Pfizer vaccine has now been fully approved. And then the first thing that happens is, uh, bless his heart, but uh, I, I said my monologue earlier was uh, operating outside your gifts. And I'm pretty sure Biden's operating outside his gifts right now. And he comes out, and instead of just encouraging people and touting this as being a great day, thanking the FDA for their hard work or whatever else, first thing he does is call upon businesses to inert, enact uh, punitive measures against any of their employees who won't get the vaccine now. Um, your thoughts? Yeah. Well, well Senator, I, I tell you what's interesting. I think this has got a green light more of that, not just businesses. I think this they really want school kids, school systems to mandate this vaccine. And you're already that that to me is what we're going to see a bunch of that now that it, it, and the, the, I don't think the arguments change that much other than you could say you can't mandate an experimental vaccine. But that's still part of your choice. Uh, maybe the criteria you base your choice upon are different, but does it change you know, people having the ability or the right to reject it if they don't want to get the vaccine. So I, I just think it's just going to make that argument. You're going to have people on the left saying that there, there ought to be, like you said, punitive measures is what Biden's suggesting, but perhaps just mandating kids, public schools, they have to do this or they will not get federal funding or something of that sort. Yeah, and I think that's coming. And, uh, and to, to, the, to the better part of our audience here, just, just know that I think it's coming. And I have not spent my time on the air talking about whether you should get the shot, but I have said there is plenty of information out there for you to make your decision one way or the other. If you've not made a decision, a well-reasoned, well-thought-out decision, there's no excuse for that. Go ahead and review the facts. Talk to your own doctor. I have one guy in my office this morning who told me his doctor advised him not to get the shot. But I have others that are telling me to absolutely get the shot. So uh, I'm not going to tell you about my vaccination status, but I'll tell you I'm not anti-vax. I just believe that it's a point where you make your own decision based upon what you believe is right for you and your family. Oh, hey, Jeff, well, and, uh, and, we and appreciate just, you, man. Yeah, go ahead. Hey, thanks for having me on. Yeah, brother, you have a great day. That's uh, Jeff uh, Jeff Poor from uh, FM Talk 106.5 down on the coast, uh, WAVH, and uh, we certainly appreciate his time. Jeff, you have a great you have a great day. All right, folks, listen, um, we're 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 coming down to the end of this segment, but I'm going to stay on this this COVID thing. We're going to talk a little bit. Uh, what does it mean uh, that the FDA has just granted uh, Pfizer uh, full approval? Does that change your thoughts at all? And I'll be glad to take calls when we come back from this break. I'm going to open the phone lines up for a little bit, but I'm going to keep talking about COVID. And I've got a couple of clips I want you to hear. Interesting to me how they're describing what's going on with our ICU beds. I took issue with AL.com. Well, I always take issue with AL.com. But I took issue with AL.com's usual clickbait reporting. AL.com is the purveyor of panic in this state, in my opinion. You know, you you can lead from a position of strength and still provide people with a sense of urgency. It is possible to do both. Not at AL.com. But nonetheless, I'm going to play a clip. So when we get back from this break uh, next, Copper, go ahead and have clip six ready, clip six. But uh, we're going to go to it. Dr. Williamson, the head of the uh, Alabama Hospital Association, is talking about in that clip when we come back, uh, talking about what's going on with ICU beds. I backed it up by, um, by calling a friend of mine uh, who's got a long career in nursing uh, and is recently retired, but still has many contacts in, in multiple facilities. And she herself was even a, uh, a charge nurse in charge of scheduling 
you know, and, and lining things up. Uh, and she, she, she literally gave me some insights that helped me to see that Dr. Williamson wasn't totally off, but also helped me to decipher his um, uh, not quite so clear way of describing things when he appeared most recently on Capital Journal. So, folks, when we come back from this break here in a few minutes, and we're not quite there yet, but when we come back from the break, I'll open the phone lines up. It's 866-494-9866. Here's my question for you. How do you feel about vaccines now that one of them has reached FDA approval? Because literally one of the most well-reasoned arguments that I heard for not getting it, if somebody chose not to, was because it was all experimental. It was under an emergency use authorization. I'm sure that some of that will transition out, and people will say, okay, I can get it now. Others are going to say the speed at which it was approved still makes them suspicious because they're already jaded on government, and I get that too. I'm going to want to hear what you have to say, 866-494-9866, when we come back from that next break. But I want you to also hear when we come back about what Dr. Williamson says about ICU beds, but then also what Governor Ivey said uh, or issued in her proclamation last week. How does Governor Ivey's proclamation impact the ability of hospitals and medical personnel to function in the midst of a very difficult circumstance? Because we are seeing a surge, and we do know there's more hospitalizations. If you think COVID's not real, you're wrong because it's real. I had it. I know it's real. But, folks, there's a lot going on with our first responders. There's a lot going on with our, our healthcare community. And at the same time, you need to understand, how does that impact you? Why are they talking about ICU beds? What does it mean when AL.com wants to say, we're negative 29 beds? Well, it's not quite like that. It means that things are in a different capacity. Dr. Williamson didn't talk in any panic tones, uh, but he certainly expressed a sense of urgency. And, uh, and I'll play that clip for you when we get back. I see I've got one guy already holding on the line. You want to call back after the break? It's going to be 866-494-9866. 866-494-9866. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. We'll be right back. <laughs> 